0: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Top Dog talk, talk podcast. This is episode fifty-nine, Top Dog talk, talk podcast. What went wrong against Kent State? That's what we're here to talk about here today. Alongside me, Coast Dan, Kylie. Dan, how are you doing this Tuesday evening?
1: I'm doing great. I'm ready to get going. Ready to talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. You, you, you send them out. I'll knock them down.
0: Let's do it. First off, hot topics of the week. We have two this week, and I want to get your reactions to this, Dan. Guys, in the comments, here with us early. Put your reactions to this in the comments. I'm going to throw the tweet up, Dan. Danny Cannell went to Twitter this week, uh, or this past weekend. No surprise, Danny Cannell's always on Twitter, as we all know, if you – are on the timeline, he says, and I quote, I feel awful for Kansas. Not only should they be ranked in the top 25, but their resume is easily good enough to be in the top 15. But unfortunately, if you don't play in the SEC, you have to beat twice as many good teams to get half the credit. Dan, I want your thoughts and reactions to this tweet.
1: Yeah, well, my thought and reaction is what everybody in the world's thought and reaction probably was, is here's Danny Kanell And he is... Any opportunity that he has to talk bad about the SEC, he will 100% take advantage of it. It, His takes are about as bad as you could possibly get. He's wrong on just about everything. But at the end of the day, it's all about driving clicks, and he's able to do that. He's got way more followers than I do. Uh, ESPN sees value in him. So at the end of the day, good for him, right? Good for him. But it's it's one of those things that I always talk about when we talk about the media and all it's, it's more, it's more about being click based than it is being correct. And we see that time and time again. Now there are some people in the media who are taking their job very seriously and do a really good job. Uh, he's not one of them, um, but he does drive traffic, which is good for the program. So does he have a point? Should Kansas be, should Kansas be ranked? They probably should be ranked, but like 25 or 24. Yeah. They're undefeated, but they're not beating anybody of quality. The other part of his tweet was if they were in the sec and undefeated, they would be ranked. You would be correct, sir. Because if they were in the sec beating sec teams and they were undefeated, they would deserve to be ranked. Heck, they might even be a top 10 team, but they're not in the big 10 or, and they're not in the sec. They're not in the ACC. They're in the big 12. Right. And, they haven't played anybody. Uh, I do you have the schedule up? Because that's way too small for me to see.
0: Uh, yeah, that is supposed to be your schedule. Can you see now?
1: Yep, I got you. So you've got um, Tennessee Tech. Okay, Tennessee Tech. Houston, I, I'll give them credit for the Houston win. Um, the West Virginia win was a good win. So, you know, maybe they should be ranked. Maybe they should be ranked It you know in the top 25. But it, it's – at the end of the day is cannell taking a shot at the sec uh and the sec what he considers the sec bias just because he's an acc guy so um i I wonder if those takes would continue if fsu ends up in the um the sec
0: dan i did want to you know to kind of help along with my point along with you know kind of what you're talking about i mean let's look at Tennessee schedule. Number 8 Tennessee. They're in okay. the top 10 for the first time and I believe it's it's been a while. I think 2006 I heard on the SEC shorts. Tennessee schedule. You beat a ranked Pittsburgh 34 to 27. They were shoot maybe a top 15 team when they played them uh over there uh this past, you know, just a few weeks ago. They beat them 34 to 27. Yes, I know Keaton Slovis got hurt, but hey, you play with who you have on the field unless you're Alabama. Okay, unless you're Alabama, you don't play with it. Uh, unless you're Alabama, you c- c- claim injuries are the reason you lose every game you lose. Play Ball State. Okay, week one, yeah. Cupcake. Akron, cupcake. Florida, in my opinion, yes, Florida's been slandered. I-, I-, I know we like to get on Florida's case. Georgia fans especially like to get on Florida's case. But hey, they beat a pretty good, they beat a decent Florida team. Florida's a good win. Whenever you beat a power a former powerhouse like Florida, it's a good win, Dan, right?
1: Florida was ranked when they played them. So this, I mean, this illustration is a little bit, you know, whacked or whatever, but, you know, Florida, a lot of people picked Florida to win that football game. That was a good win for Tennessee. We both hate Florida. I don't, believe it or not, I don't hate Tennessee. That's completely off subject. I, I don't hate Tennessee, but I hate Florida. And that's a good win. So, I mean, Tennessee has a better a better schedule. I'm sorry. I mean, the Houston win was nice, but it's Houston. So, I mean, in what world are we? Can- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's get on to the next hot topic, Harrison. I want to give it to you. Can I give it to you, or you got more on this? Go, go ahead. All right. So, my hot topic of the week that I wanted to ask is: in, in a sporting event, when something historical happens. In this case, it's Pool Hole's hitting home run number seven hundred, which um, was really awesome to see. I didn't think that was even possible at the beginning of the season. That's a topic for another day. If you were to catch that home run ball number 700, do you believe it's okay to keep that? Or is that something that you should get back? What is your take on keeping something like that? And I won't interject any of my opinion in this. So what is your opinion of keeping that baseball?
0: I believe when you go to a game like that, when you go to any baseball game, any sporting event, the only sports that I can say off the top of my head that you have to give the ball back or the puck is basketball an NBA game, college basketball game? Got to give the ball back. The ball goes out of bounds. Football, NFL, college, got to give the ball back. Baseball, there is no courtesy or golden unspoken rule. You get a if someone hits a home run, a fly ball, get a toss up, you don't have to throw the ball back and play. Baseball changes baseballs regularly, it, it, it happens. Baseballs are, are just cycled through. Each and every game, Dan. You were a minor league umpire. You know more than anybody about how often, if you're behind home plate, how often you would reach into your bag and throw a new ball to the pitcher. Because hey, maybe he got fouled off, or hey, pitcher can't grip the ball. He says, "Give me a new one." Okay, bet. In baseball, I'm I'm, I'm fine with it. But when it comes to something historical like Albert Pujols passing that 700 home run mark, or Alex Rodriguez passing the whatever historical trade uh, whatever historical set he passed where the baseball didn't get returned back immediately. That is the big thing immediately. It, it got back eventually. I believe if it breaks a record or if it's historical for, for whatever reason, if you love the sport as much as you claim to, or as much as you want to be there, I feel like you would want to give the ball back in any case, in any case. So I get it. The guy's going to want to get all the money he can out of this pool Pujols ball. I, I understand. Yes, it is going to be life-changing money for the guy, and he's going to make a lot of money. But at least give Pujols and the Cardinals a chance to buy the ball off of you. But then again, it's really not your property to begin with. It's more along the lines of, hey, spaceball's baseball's owned by Major League Baseball. I mean, why, why should they have to buy it off of you? I, I I'm... I'm Yes, Dan, you can keep a ball, but if it's historical, I I say give the damn ball back. What say you, Dan?
1: So so here's the thing is, as an umpire, we had to rub up the baseballs in the Major League. You don't have to rub them up yourself. Somebody will rub them up for you. But we go through about eight dozen balls a game. So if you do the math on that, that is a lot of baseballs. Eight dozen a game is about what you go through. And then, you know, for a big series – uh, especially if you have uh, like a postseason series, you might rub up 12 dozen baseball. That's 144 baseballs. And those things are uh, about $14 a piece. If you That's a lot of money, right? So some, some directors are like, hey, don't give out a lot of them. You go to the game, you get a foul ball, home run ball, you get to keep those things, right? But when there is an achievement about to occur, they give them special baseballs. And those special baseballs are marked, right? And... I think that baseball should put in a stipulation that if you buy a ticket to this game and you catch that ball, you have to give it back. Right. So, by like, there are certain things that whether you acknowledge it or not on the back of your ticket, there are certain things by buying that ticket. So, you when you're on Ticketmaster or any other place, you click that little box, you're saying that you agreed all that stuff, and everybody just does it out of habit. Right. I think to protect themselves, baseball or whoever else whenever there's a significant event about to occur on those tickets, they should put it back in there where if you catch that ball, you have to give it back because here's my thing. If if that ball was going to go to the hall of fame, right? Like an entity or something like that. And Albert wasn't going to get it. Keep it, bro. I mean, sell it, do whatever you want. But that ball is Albert's. It's Albert's accomplishment. It's not yours. You didn't do anything. You showed up and got lucky. And if you're that one dude that shows up with a net and stuff like that, taking balls from little kids so we can sell them, miss me with that guy. I mean, I would hurt that guy if he did that to my kid. Um, And there are guys who specifically buy tickets in certain areas because they want to be the guy to catch that ball so they can cash in on it. I've just got zero respect for those people. Like I've got zero respect for the grownups who stand there with a book full of cards trying to get people to sign after every single game so they can turn around and sell them on eBay. And my biggest issue is that you're affecting the way that the players approach the game. You're affecting the way that uh, players approach kids. There are players who will not sign for children because they know that an adult put them up to it because they think that the athlete will sign for this little kid. And it's just, it's got to be ridiculous. And I mean, listen, I understand the concept of life changing money. Um, and I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I don't want that money. That's not my money. I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything. I'm like If I win a lottery, it's because I played it, right? I, I, don't, I don't correlate the two. It's not a lottery for me. Uh, I just have, a, I have zero respect for somebody that would keep that baseball.
0: With that being said, Dan, what is your rant of the week? Something you're mad about? Something you're pumped up about? What is it? All right, so here's my rant of the week.
1: And it is really simple. Don't tell me how to fan. I, I, I am allowed to be a fan however I see fit. And there is no right way to be a fan. There's no wrong way to be a fan. Can you be a classy fan? Absolutely, you could be a classy fan. Um do you need to be online disrespecting kids or or players or whatever? Probably not. But don't tell me how to fan. Don't tell me I'm not allowed to get angry when I'm watching a game. Don't tell me I'm not allowed to get upset when a guy doesn't make a play. Don't tell me I can't uh, I have to act this way or that way. That I, I'm a fan. I can do whatever I want. Like we we watched that video that was on uh, Twitter a couple of weeks ago where there's a guy watching the Bears game. And his woman was, like, making fun of him for being upset about the game. That's me. That's me. That's who I am. You can ask my wife. You can ask anybody in this family. If they sit in the room and watch the game with me, sometimes I do. If the game starts getting a little bit sideways, guess where they go? Out the room. Because I'm yelling at the TV. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm cussing at the TV. That's how I watch the game. In the moment, I'll be like, the heck with that guy. Or the heck with this guy. Whatever, I, I'm not out here in a public atmosphere. Like, I'm not on Twitter going, "Screw that guy." I'm not doing that, right? But in my house, I'm yelling and screaming. And like, if I have a group text with somebody, I'm gonna be like, "Oh man, that guy," bah, or whatever. But five minutes after it's over, uh, I, I mean, I have perspective in reality. I'm not super upset, but I can't stand the people who go on Twitter talking about don't ever be upset with a kid. He's just a kid. You don't know. Like, like, if you're not a real Georgia fan, if you get upset, you're not a real Falcons fan if you get upset. It's like, no, I am a real fan, and that's why I get upset because I have feelings. I'm emotionally connected to the team, and I live and die on every single play. I love the baseball fans who tell you, Um, uh, it's a baseball season it's 162 games I don't understand why you would ever get worked up over one game because I'm a fan and if I'm watching the game I'm invested in that game and I want to see my team win and guess what if they don't win I'm pissed off so that's me that's how I watch the games don't tell me how to fan you do it the way you do it I'll do it the way I do it
0: That was Dan's rant of the week. Guys, I, I, I think we all agree with Dan. I think there's, there's different ways that everyone becomes a fan or different ways people show themselves as fans. Um, and there's really not anyone's job to tell us how to fan. But as Dan says, there are kind of moral things that each fan's kind of like. Standards. Moral standards. Let's not go out on Twitter and say a kid sucks especially an 18, 19-year-old college kid. If you want to say it about professionals, I guess they get paid for it. So, you know, Falcons are grown men. They need to learn to preserve that hit. There's Zachary Moss R., secret GM of the Atlanta Braves. If you know, you know. But with that being said, it is time to talk about Kent State, Dan, because there were a lot of angry Upset Georgia fans, maybe some, a lot of them let down by this. It was a 39 to 22 win. Georgia was a 40 point favorite, Dan. 40 point favorite. And you know what? This isn't the first time that Georgia did not cover as a 40 plus point favorite. They are two and two against the spread so far this year. They've covered against Oregon. They've covered against South Carolina, but they failed to cover in the two games where they were massive, and I mean massive favorites over Sanford and Kent State. Dan, first off, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the game as a whole. Maybe some some points of, you know, I didn't like what I saw here. Um, or, or points of improvement and some some good things. Let's not, you know, everyone knows the negatives if you're on social media. Let's give us some positives, too. Oh, you want me to start with positives? You can start wherever you want, Dan, but... You know, I don't
1: have a whole lot of positives if we're being honest. And this game 100% inspired my rant, Harrison. Um, because watching this game, I was angry. And the reason I was angry is because it, to me, it felt like Georgia didn't take this game seriously. And they had zero turnovers coming into this game. So you're able to protect the ball against Oregon, right? Um, whoever they played next, Stanford, I guess. Like, okay, you protected the ball against them. You go to South Carolina, you protect the ball against them. You play lights out. The reason I got upset about this game is because they didn't take it seriously. And you could tell that they didn't take it seriously by the way they didn't protect the football. You turn the ball over four times, you drop – how many touchdowns did we drop? Like, I'm not talking about like, like Fugazi touchdowns where like maybe they would have scored. I'm talking about like literal ball in hands in the end zone.
0: Three, right? I know two off the top of my head. I know the there was the slant to the one high safety with McConkie that hit him right in the hands. Uh I, I think we may have had one to Dylan Bell, unless I'm missing yes, up with Bell, another game. But the I, I know well, it hit him in the back shoulder. Hit him back shoulder. Um and I, I know that they dropped at least at least four passes in the first half alone. Right, but so that is,
1: that is mental errors. That's not physical. I mean, and then, like, Ladd well, did not have a good game, and we've we've talked about that. And he he was able to bounce back and and be productive a little bit in second half, but it, it's mental focus, and that's why I was angry about this game, and that's why I don't have a whole lot of positive to say about it. Uh, Stetson Bennett was not crisp and clean. I mean. His stats say 27 of 36, 272 in, a, in an interception. Listen, I get it. But this is a game where if you're a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, you put up 500 yards. You just do. I mean, this is not real competition for you, right? Um, Brock, ba- uh, Listen, okay, positive. Brock Bowers played lights out. That, that man didn't do a single thing wrong. Um, you could find something that almost every single player on that team did wrong. You can't find anything that Brock Bowers did wrong. I don't know if he missed a block. I don't know if he he didn't do a darn thing wrong, and he looked impressive. So yes, there's a great one. Um, but otherwise, I mean, look, our running backs did not look crisp. And that's I mean, I know there's a specific running back that was um, that was getting a lot of heat for whatever reason, and that's and that's silly, right? I mean, like Dejon Edwards to me in this, like uh, Dajon Edwards I think should get more carries, but to say that Dejon should get more carries doesn't mean I don't like the other two. It's just that I really like what he has, right? And I, I feel like our fan base ha- from time to time has the... the prepen- uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has the tendency to attack one guy to clear room for the other guy when two that's things not can't really be true at the
0: same time is what you're I yeah. think is what you're trying to get at you know right it's like
1: you can want more carries for one guy but that doesn't mean at the same time that you don't like the other guy and we had a running back that was just getting a lot of smoke for no reason and I'm glad that particular guy Kendall Milton is part of our football team and you know no I'm not going to sugarcoat it in and tell you he's the greatest running back in the history of the world. When maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But I don't understand why our fan base has the tendency to attack people. Because, like, did he have the best game in the world? No, he didn't. I think he would tell you that he didn't, right? But I mean, to disrespect him is wrong. And that that really that was one thing that really bothered me about this game is how, like, you know, we talk about don't tell me how to fan, right? Well, I, I mean, I won't tell you how to fan, but I tell you. Like I don't understand why you would pat-mouth a kid on our football team.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense and especially uh getting up in the the public scene of calling out parents is definitely not a good thing uh to do. You know, like Dan says, we're not going to tell you how to fan cuz Dan just had a whole segment on it, but if you're a fan of the team, why would you go after a player's parents or a player themselves doesn't quite make sense if you're a fan of the team. So with that being said, uh, yeah, Dan Brock Bowers was a a positive. Just I mean, he's always this whole season, so far, he's been a positive. There hasn't been one game where, I know, there's been some games where he's been quiet, according to Brock Bower Sanders, They have, okay? First two games, you know, Georgia didn't really need him. Georgia spread the ball around. Kenny McIntosh was the story of those first two games, whether you like it or not. He he got, I mean, he made big plays. Kenny McIntosh was the most explosive player on Georgia's offense first in the first two games. Turn the page. South Carolina and Kent State. Brock Bowers is that explosion. I I don't know if it's maybe based on something they saw on tape. I don't know if maybe it's because something's going on with Kenny or or not. I don't know. Uh, you know, that's just the way the game plan is shaped out. Kenny was the first two, Bowers is the second two, and hey, we don't know. Maybe someone else is going to be the explosive player in these next two games. But I will say, I would have loved to see Georgia get the ball to Bowers more. Now, I can't sit here and tell you, hey, they didn't try, because knowing, knowing Todd Munkin and knowing any good offense coordinator, he's going to try and manufacture touches for his best player. That is just what you do to win football games. But what I will say is, Dan, here's my negative. And it doesn't show up on the sheet. Georgia allowed 93 rushing yards in, four, you know, in, in the game against Kent State. But you go back and watch the second half, I and mean, even at the time being, it didn't feel like that. I was shocked when I went on the stat sheet after the game and said, well, Georgia only gave up 93 rushing yards? I mean, Georgia, for a little bit there in the second half, when Kent State had, those, they had that 70-yard drive, I, I, I think it was the third quarter, had that 70-yard drive, it felt like Georgia was getting beaten at the line of scrimmage on defense. Beaten bad. And I know, everyone's talking about, we don't have Jalen Carter. You know, and, and guys, here's my point. You can't sit here and say the injuries to John Mechie and Jameson Williams don't matter, but then turn around and say, do the same exact thing that you accuse Bama fans of doing, which is using injuries as a shield. Georgia will not always have Jalen Carter, just like Alabama will not always have Jameson Williams and John Mechie. Okay? Georgia has to get these kids better, which is why they're playing with so much depth on defense, because they have youth and inexperienced, Dan. And what is the best way to get youth experience by playing them in a game so i will say oh, yeah. georgia georgia's defense by no means played a perfect game but when you go back and rewatch it for you know the first time since watching the game i think you'll start to notice that that defense did not get much help from the offense it was not complimentary football uh for georgia this past weekend the first four drives go look at the first four drives you score a touchdown on your first offensive drive. You come back. There's the muff punt after three and out. The defense got a three and out in a muff punt. After that three and out, I think everybody, including myself, were saying, "Oh, you know, this is just going to be another another game that's over by halftime." Muff punt, an interception, a fumble, boom. Flip of a coin, bat an eye. It's a ball game. That's what happens. You cannot be minus two. In the turnover column, and expect to win football games convincingly.
1: Well, you know this is the same. It, like my whole thing is, if you're going to criticize one team, you have to be able to criticize them all, right? So uh, we criticized Auburn for losing to Penn State. They lost 41 to 12 to Penn State a couple of weeks ago, and they put up 415 total yards, and they weren't even in the ball game. Why were they not in the ball game? Because they turned the ball over four times. So Georgia puts up, and you put the stat up here for me. 529 yards. Georgia put up 529 yards. You know why we didn't blow out the game? Because we had four turnovers. And when you turn the ball over against anybody, you're going to allow them to stay in the football game. And you know, again, I, I talk it up to not being mentally focused and not mentally prepared. But at the end of the day, all right, think about Kirby's press conference after Oregon. Did he seem overly happy? Like, no, no, he did somewhere in the middle. Right? Stanford, he was just like, no, uh. I mean, just like angry Kirby, right? After South Carolina, he's like, er, er, angry Kirby, don't want to talk about it. They're like, no, I'm just focused on blah, 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 blah. Kirby smart after Kent State, smile ear to I respect Kent State, they're a great team, and we had a good week of practice, and I'm excited about this team, but because Kirby knew he had that ammunition to walk into Monday's practice and be like, y'all. are going to die this week. (laughs) He was so excited that they played like crap. And I was talking to uh, my stepdad on the phone today and, uh, or yesterday, and he was talking about his Michigan team uh, who squeaked by and he said he didn't care. A win is a win. Um, And he liked the fact that they struggled uh, and were able to get the win. And I I think, you have to look at it the same way for Georgia, right? Like, did you want to struggle? Did you enjoy Saturday? I, hands raised, I did not enjoy Saturday. But if it makes you a better team down the road, I'm willing to deal with it. Um, I think those noon games against crap teams, and, and Jeremiah said this in our group text, is that he hates noon games against crap teams because you never play well. And I agree with him. And, and once, you, once you allow a team to believe that it's actually going to be a football game. And there is no switch in the world to switch where you can just go ahead and put, I mean, it's just not going to happen. So um, at the end of the day, was it pretty? No. Uh, Did they get the win? Absolutely. And get a great opportunity to go up to Missouri and kick their butt and take out some frustrations. How about that? And it's
0: going to be a 730 game. 30, first night game of the season, Dan. I know it's on the road, but heck, Missouri always has some type of atmosphere there. I remember when Georgia's played there in years past. There's always been something there. I don't know if this is going to be a sellout. I would imagine with the defending champs coming to town, I would imagine it's going to be pretty close to capacity, but don't put it past Missouri because they just come off a heartbreaker against Auburn. You know, a team that is struggling. Uh, not, not uh, Not the best of games to watch if you want to watch beautiful football. But Dan, speaking of noon games, you know, I think there's a tendency for people to talk about noon games and how people handle noon games as a culture thing. I don't think it is a culture thing. I think you could have the best culture in all of college football, but there's just still going to be those times where, hey, the team isn't taking somebody seriously. And, and, and from our perspective, outside, outside perspective, it did look like Georgia was kind of reading their press clippings a little bit or not buying into the fact that, hey, on any given Saturday, you can lose no matter who it is. that That's the outside perspective. And I, I don't care what anybody tells me from inside the building. They're not going to put it out there. They will not that they were looking past Kent State because that's a bad look for them. But you go back and look through history, those noon games have always been a spur in Georgia's side. I mean, heck, you go back a few years ago, Georgia lost a noon game to South Carolina, and I hate to bring it up because I know it still scars people to death. But Georgia did it. But I did like a tweet people put out, someone put out, I, think, I, I believe it's from the Baptist Street boys Says something along the lines of you know if this was back in 2016 and Georgia played like this you probably lose which I tend to agree I think if you played like that a few years ago I, I think Georgia probably loses that game a because they don't have the talent didn't have the talent they have now B I don't think the culture and the buy-in was there where it is now I think Georgia, Obviously, you're talented enough to get by, but Dan, what is the marking of a great team? Is you can play your worst is still enough to win. Georgia played its absolute worst game of the season and still had enough to win, and it wasn't it wasn't by the skin of their tinny te- you know, the uh, skin of their chin. It was, you know, we still won by 17 points. Where you go back and look at Alabama, they played their worst game against Alabama, uh, against Texas on the road at Texas. They won by one point. They won by one point, Dan. They were a 20-point favorite.
1: You want to talk about go back to 2016. I was at the Georgia-Nichols State game. They won that game 26-24. I don't remember the specifics of it because I have somehow blocked that game out of my memory. Um, But I was there with my son, and maybe I'm wrong, and somebody would definitely be able to correct me. I think we had to pull that game out of the fire. Like, I, I, For some reason, I was thinking like maybe they had like a field goal attempt at the end of the game to win it or something. But I mean, to your point, and the reason I bring that up is because I really thought we were going to lose that game. Like I'm sweating, like scared to death we were going to lose that football game. We played like dog crap against Kent State, but not even for a millisecond did I feel like we were going to lose that game. And I, I think that is the biggest difference, um, to your point. Oh, hell. Here we go. What what do we got here? I don't know why you're doing this. I can't read this stuff.
0: Sorry. I, I, I'll read it out for the people there. Georgia had three turnovers in this game. Had three penalties for 34 yards. Had 161 yards rushing, 167 yards rushing, 206 yards. He had 373 yards of offense, 5 of 13 on third down. A lot of 6-16 on third down, 236 yards. So it was a much closer game in terms of yardage. And in third down, some of the key statistics, you, you were you were at zero in turnovers thanks to, you know, Nichols State playing just as bad as you were on turnovers. But like to Dan's point, Georgia almost lost that game.
1: You probably should have. So, I, listen, yeah, I would, I would we're going to go to Missouri. We're going to go to Missouri, and we are going to – I think it is a good week to be a Georgia fan because I think there are a lot of kids who are having a really what rough week of practice and they are looking to hit somebody else. And I would, I have a sneaky suspicion that Georgia is going to look as explosive as they've ever looked on Saturday. And I think you're going to see Kirby with the biggest grin on his face that you've ever seen on that coach's face because he knows that he gets to unleash the dogs on Saturday – with some vigor behind them. Um, and actually, side note, really good thing that we're not playing at home on Saturday because it was going to be messy. But um, I, we don't have a whole lot to say about the Missouri game. Um, but you did see some good news for the Dogs right before we came on. Do you want to tell them, Harrison?
0: Yes. As Zachary Moss flashed up on the screen, his comment, Georgia did gain a commitment from four-star wide receiver Tyler Williams out of, I believe it was Lakeland, Florida, if I remember off the top of my head. As a as someone who puts together helps put together show notes here with Dan, probably should have prepped for this because you know I probably we probably should have known that this was coming or is a real possibility. So that is on me, but I'm not a recruiting expert one bit, and I think Dan would tell you he's not a recruiting expert either. So I don't even feel comfortable sitting here and trying to tell you about Tyler Williams, but I do know from from a few things that Brooks Austin has said over. Uh, you know, over his time covering Tyler Williams, it is that he, he could be a, a pretty good player as evidenced by his high star rating. I know it's not the stars are not everything. And in, in, in high school to college, that tradition, it's not everything, but it does give you a little feeling of where people around the industry think he could be Uh, DGD podcast, Robert Reynolds, shout out to the DG podcast about, so about Mizzou, Eli could get his coffin nailed shut after Saturday you know, I could see that with uh, – were, there were rumors that Auburn was going to fire Brian Harson if they lost to Missouri last week at home, which I, I don't doubt at all. But why why put that out there? If you know you're going to put them – if you know you're going to put the dog to rest, why you got to let the dog know? Why let, why let everybody know? Why put it out there that you're going to fire your head coach? If you know for a fact that it just takes one loss to fire your coach, why do it? Why do it? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't. I don't agree with that. Uh, Zachary Moss says also Luther Burton went out and deleted everything Mizzou related to his social media. Um, I, I don't. Luther Burton confirmed like Luther Burton
1: is going to be the first player in NCAA history to transfer in the middle of the football game. Played the second half with the Dogs.
0: <laughs> I will say this for everyone out there: please don't read too much into this. It happens all the time. Uh, with with kids these days, especially on social media, you know, you delete delete things off your Instagram, delete things off your Twitter all the time, delete all social uh, you know, association with something. And at the end of the day it comes up comes out to be nothing. Comes out to just be, you know, you're making headlines about nothing. So uh we'll wait and see on that if there hey, anything somebody, does progress. Didn't somebody
1: else do this uh like a, a couple months ago, right before the season started? Wasn't somebody else who did that?
0: Potentially, it's not coming off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, there was another big-name player that deleted all of his stuff right before the season, and then he's like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. Um, uh, Kayshawn Booty?
0: Booty, yeah. Uh, I do remember him deleting. There was rumors about him entering the transfer portal after LSU lost to, I believe it was FSU, Florida State. Uh, Earlier in the season but since then uh, he's had a child so congrats to him and i believe he's he's still with the team at this point but anyways guys dan 27 and a half point favorite just georgia cover on the road 7 30 p.m kick
1: so i hate saying that a team will cover especially these lofty but after the way that they played against ken state I would lay those points because I have a feeling that Georgia – so it's one of two things. Either you lay the points because you believe Georgia's an elite football team and they're going to be pissed off and they're going to play, or you don't think Georgia's an elite football team and Kent State exposed them. So you're either on one side of the equation or the other. If you're like I am and you believe Georgia is an elite football team, you take those points and you laugh about it because I have a feeling that Missouri is going to catch a butt beating this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm along the same lines with you. is coming off a disappointing performance, whether they want to say it out in public or not. They know they underperformed. They know they could have won that game by a lot more. They know they could play a lot more clean uh, than they actually did. I'm not going into this weekend, going into this week, before the Kansas State game even take pla- took place, I'm going to be completely transparent with everybody, just like me and Dan talked about over the weekend. We are, The rants of the week that we were going to do, and it may not even been Dan's rant of the week, it may have been my rant of the week, was, you know, Desmond Howard uh, said an interview with Dog Nation's Mike Griffith to pump the brakes on Sesson Bennett's Heisman Talk, which at the time seemed kind of wild because he was playing like one of the best players in college football. And I'm not saying he's not playing like one of the best players in college football because, I mean, he, yeah, he had one bad game, still got a rushing touchdown of it. And like Dan said, in that game, when, when you play four quarters against a team you're a 40-point favorite about, against, if you play four quarters, you're supposed to put up numbers. So let's let's – That was going to be something we talked about because I I think going into the game, we all expected Georgia to go out and blow them out of the water, and they did not. So, complete transparency, that was something we wanted to talk about, but now it's not.
1: Well, I do do want to add one thing here before we wrap this up is I do want to see Georgia establish a running game. And I know that seems so foreign for a Georgia football team to say is we have started to throw the ball, which I have been all about. I wanted to – I love throwing the football. I'm the, the fan version of monkey, and I want to throw the ball on every single play. But I've always said that knowing that we could run the ball on anybody at any given time, and I don't feel like we can do that right now. So I need Georgia to be able to show me that we can still run it down somebody's throat when it matters because I don't feel like we're running it as efficiently as we have in the past. I would love to see them do that. And then one other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I kind of wanted to get your uh, – take on this is obviously we know Georgia tech moved on, uh, from their, from their coach and their, in their athletic director. We know that they're going to hire athletic director first before they hire a coach. Uh, we're not going to get into all the coaches, uh, especially not getting into Dion. Um, but one of the coaches that they mentioned was Del McGee and I don't think Del McGee takes that job. I don't think that's a job that anybody should take to be completely honest. Not right now. I wouldn't want to be this guy. Um, but it brought up a question. Somebody asked me, and I asked it to the group and everybody just kind of ignored it. How are we feeling about Dunn McGee right now? Is he is he still, in your mind, one of the elite coaches on the coaching staff? I know that uh, publicly he's been kind of taking a little bit of criticism because he's missed on some really talented backs here lately where he used to get the best of the best. And now we're not necessarily getting the best of the best, uh, especially with the Justice Haynes going to uh, Alabama. I know that there were some – some uh, frustration in the Georgia fan base. How, how are you feeling about Dell? Do you still feel like he's one of the, the elite of the elite? Or is he um, maybe, you know, getting towards the back end of his career, maybe doesn't have the enthusiasm for recruiting like he did before?
0: I think you can kind of answer your own question in the sense that uh, he's being brought up to make coaching jobs. Uh, he is a candidate, and yes, he's been a candidate before. Uh, this isn't the first time that his name has been brought up in contention for some jobs. And it probably won't be the last unless unless he takes this job. Uh, then it may be uh, the last that he gets brought up in for a little bit there. I, I, I feel confident that Del McGee is still a great recruiter. I, I don't have anything to believe otherwise. I mean Georgia, Georgia has a pretty good room. I know you need... Right now, everyone believes Kenny McIntosh and Kenny kendall will both be off to the NFL for this season, opening up two spots in that running back room. And Georgia needs two. That's that's the prevailing feeling. This cycle's not over. And we talk about it all the time. Recruiting's not over until the national letter of intent is signed. I know, sound it's cliche. But I, I, I think he's still one of the top coaches on the coaching staff. Uh, hey. Maybe he is the right fit for tech. They need somebody that is a culture fit. In my opinion, me and Dan have talked about it before between you and I, uh, between you and I is they're not going to get a national championship head coach. They're not, you're not going to get someone that matches the aura of a Nick Saban an urban Meyer, uh, uh, Kirby smart. At this point, you're not going to get that guy. What can they get? They can get somebody with name value. They can get somebody there's a little star power behind him. Yes, coastal Carolina said coach. Somebody that is being brought up. Uh I'm blanking on his name. Uh he, he he's being brought up a little bit here. We'll see. We'll see. Uh but I I'm I'm leaning more of the way of hey, they can land Dion, they can land Dion Sanders. That's a huge hire. And I like Dion more at Auburn. I think Auburn I, I think Dion would like Auburn a little bit more besides the expectations. Auburn's job is not open yet being probably the key word here. But I, I, I maybe Del takes the job. I don't know Del McGee. I don't – and it's too early in the season to say whether or not he takes that job. But, hey, they need someone with star power and someone who can recruit.
1: And Robert wanted us to mention Miami losing um, to – what is it? Middle Tennessee State?
0: Yeah, that's – uh
1: Oh, that was glorious. So, I guess Texas – Texas and Miami are back, baby
0: <laughs> back to being crap again.
1: <laughs> oh, that was so great. Oh, the, the I, Texas like, the tech Oregon loss fans. to
0: be fair is, is not as bad. I I, no. I, I think that one should probably should have been expected. Uh, considering there were some injuries on that side, but shoot, man, uh, Miami losing. Woo. Yeah. Mark, Chris ball. You got I, some I work love, to do, bud.
1: I love that. uh Oregon fans were taking shots at Crystal Ball the entire weekend. Just like, hey, congratulations, Miami. This is why we didn't want them anymore. And all this other stuff. And like, oh, now you get to know. But um, yeah, man. It's just it's been um it's been a, a pretty wild and crazy college football season to start out with. I know um, in the preseason we talked about we'd love to see upsets and and I think I said at that time you don't actually see a whole lot of upsets. Like you may have one or two that whatever uh, for a whole season. But this year I feel like we've had quite a few. And, you know, we talk about parity in college football. I don't believe we'll ever get to the point where it's like a level playing field where everybody's on the same level. I, I don't believe that. I believe you have your elite teams and then you have your middle of the road teams. And then I feel have some teams at the bottom who can pop up and beat a good team once in a while. But it is fun to see.
0: Absolutely. And I want to bring something up real quick, Dan, because um, it's something we sparred on in the offseason. You kind of brought around to it, uh, kind of hinted at it. So, if you've been with us for a little bit while now, you probably should have seen the preseason expectations, preseason predictions we gave our SEC standings. Me and Dan kind of sparred a little bit over arkansas texas and the placement of those two programs. Dan, I don't think it's over. It's definitely not over. And <laughs> – your boys Arkansas lost this weekend. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking game. Fun game to watch um because there was a lot that transpired. But I I wanted to bring this up. I wasn't feeling too hot about my pick of Texas A&M being second. It was a comfortable pick. It was the it, it was the normal pick back in the offseason. Heck, they just beat Arkansas, a ranked Arkansas that was in the top 10 this past weekend, okay? They got some talent. But it doesn't come without its losses. A&M just lost one of their best receivers. For the rest of the year, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Dan, that Texas A&M probably comes in third, just like you predicted, or, or third or fourth.
1: It's only it's only a matter of time. Listen, I know that they beat Arkansas, and Sam, you let me down, buddy. Um, I was really I really needed you to to uh, KJ. Come on, KJ. I mean, I'm kind of with Jonathan where. Like I, I said, Ole Miss. Like if I had a uh, uh, if I had to pick a different SEC team to root for, I'd probably pick Ole Miss. But he picked Arkansas. I could root for Arkansas. I mean, any day of the week. I, I wouldn't have rooted for Arkansas because of Bobby Petrino, and I can't stand anything about that man. Um, but Sam Pittman is a national treasure and deserves to be treated that way. So is Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is a gift that Kip's on given. Like I, if you if you don't love Lane Kiffen, I don't know what to tell you. Um but um His yeah, like they let me d- Yeah, I, I mean like if I had if I had to pick a different SEC team, it would be Hottie Toddy. I mean <laughs> I would be all about some Lane Kiffen, but yes, they let me down. And I need somebody to beat the crap out of Texas AM. I, I'm like they've lost a game already, but like they haven't been humiliated yet.
0: October eighth, Dan. October eighth, I think. No, uh, I need I think, more than that. that. Like, like, like
1: October. Yeah, 8th. Oh, Rob. Robert, Robert thinks LSU is going to give it to him. That would be fine, Robert. I, I'm on board. I, like, listen, I, was I, I would be something. on board with everybody beating them.
0: I was looking at something, Dan. LSU's yes. defense ranks 11th in total defense, right behind Georgia's. I didn't know that. I didn't realize LSU's defense was that good. And they're starting to put together an offense. Did they get Kayshawn Butte back. And, and lock in and start getting Jaden Daniels and those two some chemistry. I don't think it's out of their own possibility that LSU gets in a shootout with anybody uh with with a Tech San M's offense is not good. They're averaging around 24, 21 points a game. It's not good. They they rely on their defense just like 2019 Georgia, although I think Georgia's offense was probably a little bit better, had a lot more had had, had some more talent on the offensive end as opposed to and AM. But hey, dance Dan's looking pretty much like a genius at this moment because. You got all those five stars, Jimbo, but you haven't really done anything out of them with them. And, hey, what are they going to do against Mississippi State? Georgia's Mississippi State in the schedule, Dan. And after last week's performance, it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia performs in Starksville against Mississippi State. So with that being said, guys, that is going to wrap it up for episode 59 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. We appreciate everybody who is with us down here in the comments. Shout out Zachary Moss, Jonathan Williams, DGD, the DGD Podcast, Robert Reynolds. And, yes, he's not here. But our friend Jeremiah Stoddard down on the power rankings again. Friend rankings not here, not present, not show of support. So, with that being said, give us a follow. Hold up, I am not prepared. There we go. Give us a follow. There's the twitters down below at Dan Kylie3 at Harris Arena 11 at Harris Arena. Gosh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe here on YouTube. Guys, I was talking to Dan this past weekend, this past Friday. We, we've been doing well, guys. We've been happy. Uh, the channel. We hope you enjoy the content. We've been having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we continue want to see this place grow, so we can get some more listeners and interact with more of you. Also, real quick, we got a special announcement. Dan.
1: Yes, tell him, the Harrison. Dog what are you, Talk. Harrison? What are you doing this weekend, buddy?
0: The Top Dog Talk podcast is taking over high school football on uh, Friday nights, guys. As of right now. Dan and I are selected to cover Gainesville at Lenore. It's going to be a... Lanier. Hopefully, a Lanier. Lanier. Gosh. Sorry. There's a uh, place back in my hometown called Lenore. Lanier. Make sure to check us out on the radio network. On the radio. Dan, you want to give us some, some details? Yeah. It's
1: going to be on 94.5 The Lake. And you can go to access WDUN. And there's going to be a link on there. Just go to um, the sports section. And then Friday Night Lights. And then underneath the Friday Night Lights thing, it will give you a link to every single game. You can watch us. Uh, Harrison has been over-preparing this week. He is excited about his opportunity to be on the radio. I, I hope that you guys will tune in at least a little bit to the game and um, and listen to your man, Harrison, do his first game on the radio. I enjoy Dan's Rants, too, buddy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> we created Dan's Rants, Roberts, because – The dude likes to speak, so I was like, hey, dude has some juice, uh, as our friends Brooks would say about Dan. Dan has juice, so let him show that juice. Guys, make sure to come hang out with us on Friday night. If you want to get your taste of Friday night football action on the radio, make sure you come hang out with Dan and I. It's going to be a fun night, guys. We're talking football for, what, maybe two hours? I think two hours. I haven't been at a high school football game in probably about a year now. So with that being said, that is going to be episode 59 of the Top Top Talk podcast on behalf of Dan Colley and on behalf of all of the Top Dog Talk, Talk YouTube channel and the four Y podcast every Sunday over at the Film Guy Network at seven thirty talking national talking the National Football League. Guys, that is gonna wrap it up for episode fifty nine of Top Dog Talk, Talk, Talk Podcast. We'll see you back next week.